Welcome to the Ion Annapolis Local Business Spotlight. There are thousands of locally owned businesses in the area, some small and some large. Some you may know and others you don't. But one thing they all have in common is a great story, and we want to share it with you. Join us every Saturday as we talk to the founders, the owners, and the managers of local businesses you have come to know and love, and those you will come to know and love. Now here's your host, John Frenet, with this week's Local Business Spotlight. Never pass up an opportunity to get to St. John's College for any number of reasons. Uh, Perhaps their dominance in croquet, perhaps just their beautiful campus, Uh, but definitely the Mitchell Gallery, which is to use an art term, is undergoing a renaissance, if you will. And we're here speaking today with Peter Nesbitt, who is the new director of the Mitchell Gallery. How are you? Hey, John. The Mitchell Gallery is one of, if not the best, hidden gem of Annapolis. And it shouldn't be hidden. I mean, there should be spotlights and everything else out in front of it. But it went in hibernation back in March of 2020. Yes, like so much did. (laughs) And it's getting ready to open up again, which is really exciting on the 17th. So what's happened in the last two years at the Mitchell Gallery? I mean, you're, you're here. I'm here. I'm here since September. So, uh, and, you know, we've really been, uh, well, we did a lot of online programming, thanks to my predecessors. So we, we kept active, uh, as so many organizations did through the pandemic, and kept the conversation going around art, both in our community and elsewhere. But uh, also for the last, since I, I started working in September it's been a great opportunity to just pause and reflect on all that the Mitchell has accomplished over the years. We were founded in 1989. We've had a pretty good long run so far, done some incredible, incredible exhibitions over the years. But it's given us a pause to really think about not only what we've done, but what we could be doing in the future and how times have changed since the gallery was founded and what our relationship is to the school and to the community, uh, who our audience is, uh, what, type, what the programming could and should look like, uh, lots of things. I, I, it was hard to step into a job where the doors were closed, to be honest with you. I mean, the, it's a beautiful space. I wanted to jump right into it right away. Uh, but it, it was also a gift in that we had this time to, to think about what's next. It's like opening the stores with nobody shopping. <laughs> yeah. No. Like you can only walk around so, so long. Yeah. So long. Well, I, I know that the Mitchell Gallery, if you can help refresh us, I mean, is one of the few credentialed art galleries um, in Maryland, I mean, there's only like five of them, which is the uh, the American Alliance of Museums. I think that's the uh, is that yes. like the end all and be all of right. museum. AAM is for, for short in the field. Yes, <laughs> yes, um, and that's a big deal, isn't it? It's a big deal, uh, and we received accreditation in 2012, which is amazing. Mitchell overall has a fair, relatively small footprint in terms of basic square footage, although it feels quite grand inside because of the way it's designed. It's beautifully very intelligently designed. Um, so for an organization of the scale to receive that, uh, to receive national accreditation is incredible. We're the only visual arts museum in Anne Arundel County with accreditation. And, and as you said, John, one of five in, in Maryland. And you're, are you the only one on a college campus? I mean, art, I mean, I don't think of colleges when I think of art museums typically. Right. Well, that's, uh, that makes sense. But, um, because I think a lot of art, there are some amazing art museums on college campuses, um, incredible uh, programs, very thoughtful, smart programming. But they tend to be inward-looking. You know, I think uh, many of them are prioritizing the student population sure. in the campus environment. So they don't do a great job often at drawing in the community around them. 
it, I mean, it's, you know, this is, I don't want to generalize because it's really on a case by case basis, but, um, I, I, I live for a very short time in Philadelphia, which has a wealth of higher education, uh, institutions and, our, and, our, and museums and, and amazing museums. And the college galleries are phenomenal there. They're great. They do amazing programming, but you have to really make an effort to pay attention to what they're doing because they're not interesting. Well, it's, it's funny because I don't typically think of, uh, St. John's as an artsy school. I mean, it, it's a very cerebral school. It's, you know, with the with the, the great books and the the whole curriculum and right. everything else. How is the art program at St. John's as a curriculum? Is it robust? Well, it's uh, and I, I realize that it's separate from the gallery. I mean, yes, that's true, absolutely. I mean, you're not hanging up the you know what was done in third period, right? Right. Well, you know, there, there's a very uh, active student-led art program. Uh, it's, it's what we call paracurricular activity. So it's uh, it's outside of the actual proper program of the college. I mean, there's no majors here, of course. So you, right. you can't major in anything, right. not, not let alone getting art, out, ringing the bell and getting out. Right, right. But there's no seminar. There uh, there are occasional uh, what we call preceptorials, which are you know electives, and tutors will lead a preceptorial on an art subject. So it's not devoid of that, and it's often tied. You know, not surprisingly, it's tied into philosophical. It might be Hegel's aesthetics. It might be something like that. But uh, so, but beyond that, the students run. There's a ceramic studio. There's a photography uh, work, photography lab, and the students run those. And it's it's quite active. But no, there's not uh, a tie-in, a track, really. Right. Yeah, in, into that, you guys bring in all sorts of literally. It's not even a, a cliche, but world-renowned art. Yes. Into here, yes. and and this is several times a year, right? I mean, how many? Uh, three to four exhibitions a year, usually four. Okay, yeah, and each for about what twelve weeks, something. Yeah, it can vary from eight to twelve. I mean, I'm going to be varying it some intentionally, so that it's not to keep people. Um, now it's March. We must go to the <laughs> right, right, just to kind of mix things up a little bit. But um, but yes, three to four. I mean, one of the things that'll be a little different in terms of the timing of the programs is we will be opening again in the summer, and we haven't done that for years. Um, it, it, I assume probably at some point. I don't remember, but we haven't been. And, and, and the reason for that is really to reach out to the many, many you know, one, uh, people that come to visit Annapolis in the summer and to bring them on. It's an opportunity for them to come onto campus and to be introduced to this very, very unique school. Oh, with un- undoubtedly, undoubtedly. Now, do you specialized in any type of particular exhibition, whether it be, I mean, I know I saw, um, and I'm going to mess it up because I'm not the arts guy, but uh, woodblock carvings, right? Um, which were used in, in printing at some point. We uh, saw some mixed media and, and that, that was in here. Right. Is that, I mean, is that all on the table now as you're leading the organization going forward? Oh, everything. I mean, everything's on the table. I, um, I, my background as an art historian, I worked as an independent art historian for a while after graduate school, is in African-American modernist art. So that means, and, and I specialized in the work of a specific artist, a man named Jacob Lawrence, who was trained in Harlem in the 30s, 1930s. Uh, so that's one area of, uh, of expertise of, of mine. But I'm, I'm a generalist, and I have very strong interests in a wide variety of work. I, I, I would say my interests in art are, are very uh, widespread. I, I, historical work, uh, contemporary work. I, my knowledge base is pr- more modern and contemporary for sure, um, but uh, uh, wide-ranging interests. I'll tell you, I'll show my ignorance as far as art goes, and uh, it travels along with wine, um, which St. John's actually used to have an in, Vera, in Vino Veritas uh, festival. And 
I can't tell you what is good art and what is bad art, um, but I know what I like and what I don't like. And I can tell, I like to think I can tell, uh, talent behind it. And it goes into music, too. I mean, I was at a, a heavy metal concert and I ran into my kids one time. And they're like, what the heck are you here? I said, I don't like it. I'm not buying their CDs, but I can see the talent behind it. What makes art enjoyable for most people? Is it that? I mean, you, you have the classical training uh, to sit there and look and, oh, I think he was going for this and that. And, you know, you know and, and, oh, I like the way he used the brushes or the mixed media or the whatever it may be. What should somebody that is not a pro with art look for? What turns them on when they come into a gallery such as the Mitchell Gallery? I think the most important thing is just to be uh, open-minded and to spend time with the work. A lot of work doesn't reveal itself immediately. So uh, especially modern and contemporary work, it takes much longer time. That, where, where skill was intentionally abandoned at some point in the early 20th century by some artists, it's hard to make evaluations of, uh, about art that's based on technical ability. Uh, so I think that's one of the things that throws people often. And then not all art is intentionally beautiful, so it may not be pleasing to the senses at all times, but it still can have an enormous impact on you as a, as a viewer, can open your eyes to aspects of the world and the human experience that you hadn't previously considered deeply. Um, I just think you need to be open. It's similar to the way that Johnny's are asked to approach a text is to be open-minded and spend time with it. Um, I think the more time you spend with, with art, the more, especially good art, good art sure. will um, unfold before you over time and hopefully continue unfolding for as long as you live. Well, that's the, uh, the, I say the norm or whatever it is where you see somebody standing in front of a painting, scratching their chin <laughs> for, a, for a half hour looking and, 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 and that makes sense to me that, that, maybe cliche again, but speaks to you. Yeah. Uh, you can sit there and see, get a little bit more out of it. And your message may be, the message you receive may not be the same that exactly. I receive. It won't be. Right. Uh, it may, yes, absolutely. I think one of the things I encourage people, and I'll encourage people at the, at the Mitchell too, I, I spent a lot of time in museums and galleries, uh, especially when I was younger, I would just sit on the floor in the gallery and just stare at a painting for half an hour. And just, you you, you start to notice details that you wouldn't on an, an initial glance. And you start to this, whether it's the story, whether it's the technique, whether it's angle, or a gesture yeah. of a figure that you may not notice upon it. As you continue to look at it, you start to because the artist, as you well know, would have spent a lot of time with it. Sure. And, and there's a lot of thought that you could pick up all of that in a 15 second glance. You're not going to be able to. True, true. Totally off topic. Did you have you seen the uh, Van Gogh immersion exhibit? No, I have not. I have not. No. Okay. Yes. Um, saw it. It blew my mind away. Oh, yeah. uh, it, it it really was, and it really took me. I mean, obviously, I appreciated the beauty of Van Gogh. Yeah. And uh, you know, some of his work, I didn't realize some of the work that he did was the work that he did. Right. Uh, when I went through it, but it was uh, it was very very impressive. It was uh, I went in again with the open mind and uh, learned learned an awful lot. It was yeah. really, really pretty impressive. Amazing. Well, let's talk about this opening, February 17th at right. 4 p.m. Right. Uh, the Mitchell Gallery is open again to the public, right? Yes. Uh, and, uh, it's, uh, and it's a new exhibition called The Open Museum, which is apropos enough, I guess. Right. Yes. And it's a new name. Uh, the Mitchell Galleries, the Mitchell Ga- Art Gallery is going to become the Mitchell Art Museum, which is a, an important change. So we're reopening with a new name, and that 
new name is really a, a way for us to embrace and really celebrate even more explicitly our accreditation. I think it's really important. It's also the the idea that the, the word museum uh, is a place of inspiration and education, as opposed to a gallery, which is often considered to be a more, you know, the word is used more commercially these days than it was in the past. So I wanted to make that distinction. So yes, we're opening with uh, an exhibition titled The Open Museum. The first visitors to the museum are going to walk into a completely empty gallery. There's no, there will be no art in in the gallery, but all that's kind of a boring exhibition. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's going to be as boring as we make it. I think Um, it won't be boring for long. I'll, I'll tell you that. So now my now my curiosity is peaked. I mean, so when I come in here at four o'clock on February seventeenth, right? This will be four very tall white walls with a couple you know, panels that stand out and windows up top, like just the, an empty gallery with all the curtains pulled back and the light streaming in and the front doors uh, bolted open, basically. And in the corner there'll be some buckets and some smocks and some art supplies. And we're inviting everybody to come in, pick up those art supplies, and express themselves freely on the walls with paint. So uh, quick, very quickly, and this will last over the five weeks of the exhibition. It's not just that opening day that people will be drawing on the walls. This will be over five weeks. People will be doodling, diagramming, sloganeering, uh, writing poetry, um, composing music on the walls, whatever they, however they want to express themselves. And one of the core questions of the exhibition is, you know, how do I express myself visually? One of the core questions about the ex- from the exhibition is, um, what does my voice look like? What can my voice look like? Wow. So you'll come back a week later and the place will be completely different. And you'll come back a week later after that and the place will be completely different. I mean, each time filling up, probably. There might be some erasure. I imagine some people might intentionally alter or erase other people's work, but it's going to be filling up. And during this entire time, student clubs and outside groups are going to be hosting events and uh, meetings and screenings and readings and uh, concerts and performances in the space that will bring people through. I really want it to have that feel of it being a community museum where everybody is welcome, everybody will feel comfortable just hanging out, um, and you're doing stuff you're not usually allowed to do in museums, which is write on the walls and touch the walls and play music in there. Talk That's why I'm not allowed phone. to lube anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and this is how long is this going on for? This will be until um, uh, the uh, end of March, March, wow. March 26th, so five weeks. Do you have ladders for the upper parts? We, we do, we do. We have uh, a rolling step ladder that can help people get to the upper parts. And kids will, people will bring children so that kids will probably fill in the lower register. That's awesome. Is this a black and white thing or is this a color thing? Uh, It's going to be black and white. Yeah, good question. It's going to be black paint on white walls. And the reason for that is the forms of expression are going to be so diverse, I think, and the different sensibilities that are going to be applied to the wall will be so diverse. It'll give it a unifying feel. And I think it will look great in photographs. What do you envision in your mind what this looks like at the end of March? I think is this a cacophony? I think it's going to be somewhat of a cacophony. I'm hoping it's going to be a portrait of the people in our community. That you know, the people that work on the St. John's campus, so the, the students, the tutors, the staff, um, people that work in the mailroom, uh, people that serve food, and then colleagues and friends from uh, and people we don't even know from from the whole region. So I've been reaching out to poets. I've been reaching out to musicians in the region. I've been reaching out to various organizational partners like the Naval Academy Museum. They'll come over with their staff, the, uh, uh, et cetera. So 
it, it's hard to predict. That's sort of the, one of the wonderful things about it, and it's one also one of the terrifying things as, as the director. I mean, usually the idea is you have total control of what you present in an exhibition down to the, you know, to the wall text, and this is going to be quite the opposite, turning it over to the public. What happens when it comes down? So when it comes down, we uh, oh, I should say that during the whole run of it, uh, for five weeks, we're, we'll have a GoPro camera set up, so we'll be able to oh, to, be able to see the time lapse on time lapse on it, and we'll play it back that last week. And we'll have monitors set up in the gallery so you can see how it's arrived at uh, its current state. And the board of visitors and gov- governors of the college is having their their board meeting that weekend too. So they're going to get to experience <laughs> what I've done to the gallery with everybody else in the community. Uh, after it though, we'll take a two week break. Um, we'll have to paint over the walls. Uh, everything will disappear though. It will be well-documented and we're opening with two incredible shows. One is uh, a collection of uh, work by African-American artists that uh, belong to a collector named Ali Tash Kabede, who was a real pioneer in, in this area in the 1970s and 80s. She was the first, she founded a, uh, a, a, a an art gallery for Stevie Wonder, the musician, and then went off and uh, worked as a, a dealer and gallerist and collector for years. So it's amazing work. Uh, Jacob Lawrence, Romar Bearden, Elizabeth Catlett, just the titans of sort of uh, black Americans. Nate, so you, so you're, you're focused, I mean, today, hmm. I mean, the trains left the station here for, for, for the, for the open museum. Right. But so you're, you're actually focusing on July, August, September, oh, yeah. whatever is that's. Yes, absolutely. And then the other show that's opening in, in April, which is great. Uh, these were both, I, I should say that the Ali Tashkabede show and this other show, the Prince of Rockwell Kent were set up by my predecessors. Okay. So, um, but, uh, they're great. They're great exhibitions. The Prince of Rockwell Kent, Rockwell Kent was a adventurer, sailor, illustrator, painter, um, he lived for much of the 20th century, but a lot of his best-known work is probably from the 30s. And perhaps his best-known work is his illustrations for uh, Herman Melville's Moby Dick, which Moby Dick was written in the 19th century, mid-19th century. Melville sort of fell into obscurity. And then Rockwell Kent, who was already a highly successful um, artist at that point, did uh, several hundred illustrations for the book, and it was published in 1930, and it really put Melville back on the on the map. So we all have a number of those, and then a lot of his other work. It's the largest collection of Rockwell Kent prints in private hands. Awesome. Well, you did mention your predecessors here, and you were relatively new to the job. You said you came here in September. Yes. I want to talk about your background, but what is the job of a now museum as opposed to a gallery director? You're you know you're the maestro, I right. guess. Well, I think the the number one job is to inspire. Is to inspire people and to, uh, for me, in this setting at the at the college that has a curriculum that's based on the great books or or in in great books, um, it's to inspire and to encourage people to link art to great ideas, uh, to some of the pressing and urgent questions uh, of humanity for, through the ages. So <clears throat> we've done that in the past. We'll continue to do that. I'm going to frame a lot of the. Uh, exhibitions, which some of them I will curate and some of them will be curated by other people. By curated, curating means essentially coming up with the idea, putting together the works and presenting the exhibition, which means writing wall texts and putting together exhibition programming. And that means, I mean, you find the, find the art too, right? Yes, I mean, you, you find the art. So Absolutely. You, you're shaking down the private collectors to say, hey, can I borrow this or that? Absolutely. Wherever you can get it. Right. Sometimes it's museum loans. Sometimes it's private collectors. Sometimes it's directly from artists. 
Now, I've got to imagine, I'll step back a little bit there, but by the accreditation of the American Alliance of Museums, I mean, I, I imagine that gives you some clout to be able to go Absolutely. to. Oh, it's uh, huge. You know, to the Philadelphia Museum of Art and say, hey, can I borrow this type of a thing? And then yes, they and how do they do that? Is that is there a board there that sits there and says, well, okay, we've got Peter Nesbitt down here in Annapolis and wants this, this. What do you think? Well, I met him once and he's kind of a cool guy. And, you know, and Mitchell Gallery is really kind of a neat little place. And, yeah, let's do it. Right. Well, you have to make a case for sure. And and a lot of these decisions are made at the director level. Uh, You know, for instance, if we borrowed from the Los Angeles County Museum of Art, I know that the director reviews the request. It's not staff, okay. you know, and he has a staff of, you know, dozens of curators that are working for him that you think might be able to make the decision, but no, it, it comes at the highest level. And, you know, there's a lot of questions they'll ask. They'll ask, uh, you know, how does this work fit in and enhance the, the, the show? How does the show itself enhance scholarship in the area, you know, or, or on that artist's work or bring greater visibility and understanding to an artist's work? Um, how might it reflect well back on us for participating in this show? Yes. How much do we respect and trust yeah. uh, the person who is asking? Of course. Sure. Well, what what is your background? I mean, how did um, I mean? I'm assuming there was not a help wanted ad in the Capitol saying looking for a museum director. Well, well, there kind of was. <laughs> <laughs> not in the Capitol, but uh, the position was listed, and I stumbled across it. I I started. <clears throat> I did a lot of uh, art and. I had a visual studies major in, in college, which meant uh, it was an independent major that I, I created uh, for myself. And it was visual anthropology, art history, film, architecture. Um, uh, There's a number of different re- topics related together. All the things I wanted to study sewn together so that I could you know, make a case for studying them. But when I graduated, I went and worked at Christie's Auction House. So I worked in an auction house for a couple of years, went back to graduate school. And then, as I mentioned earlier, I spent the next 10 years immersed in the study of a single artist's work, a man named Jacob Lawrence, published three books on his work in 2000. That was quite a long time ago. And then, uh, I'll make it short, I mean, my wife and I, my wife started a 6,000-square-foot contemporary art space in Harlem that we ran for 10 years, which was amazing. So worked very closely with contemporary artists on large-scale immersive installations. You mentioned the Van Gogh Right. experience. I think the immersive nature of that was probably one of the things that really appealed to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, absolutely. So, so important to the experience of it. We did a lot of these immersive experiences, not technologically driven in the same way, but um, massive. And then uh, and then I've had a couple other jobs before I came here. But I've been looking for a while, uh, you know, sort of askance, always very happy where I was, but out of the corner of my uh, possibility of working on a college campus because uh, I've always had a strong interest in education in general and learning. Um, and uh, when I learned about St. John's College, which I didn't know about before, I was just amazed that such a place could exist, that the learning is inquiry-based, that it's student-led, that there's no majors, that there's... There's no professors uh, speaking at you, but they're sort of guiding you while you're leading the discussion. Right. I thought it was amazing. So I just really aligned with a, a lot of the ways that I have been, the direction that I'd gone in my own life and th- what, what I found interesting. Do you like Annapolis? Oh, and it's amazing. I love it. I love it. We, uh, we live downtown. We rented a place downtown just off of Main Street so I can walk four blocks. I, I sail. First time, okay. I, first time I came into Annapolis was by boat. Okay. Uh, so that's as, not, as do a number as, of people. As many people, not unusual. I know. Um, so I'd walked the streets and gone to Chicken Roots for breakfast, that sort of thing. But I uh, didn't really know it beyond that. But the people have been so wonderfully welcoming. Uh, I feel like there's 
just a culturally rich city, especially for its size. It's quite a small city, and it's got a, an enormous array of our larger art scene. Is, yeah, is, art is pretty in, intense. Art, culture, heritage—the heritage community is so big here. Um, so it, it's really an extraordinary place. I mean, it feels in some ways it's got the benefit, the, the, the things you look for in a small town, but it's also got the things you want in a, in in a, a big, big town. Sure, absolutely. Are you artistic? Can you? Are you a good artist yourself? I took a lot of art when I was in, I think as a lot of people ended up in these positions, uh, I took a lot of art when I was young, uh, growing up, uh, a lot of drawing classes, etc. I, I don't consider myself an artist. I do make a lot of creative decisions. So uh, when one is curating, there's a, there can be a very fine line between artistry and curation. And I uh, like to sit on that line. Uh, okay. I, I think you want to keep your audience surprised. And you want to keep them on their toes and you want to keep them wondering what's next. And I think a lot of creative decision making needs to go into that. So, and I think very broadly about what artistry is and what, uh, who's an artist. That's true. I think that's really important because I think it's very intimidating for, for a lot of people. Uh, art is very intimidating. And I think we need to unintimidate that. Unintimidate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if that's a phrase. If that's yeah. a phrase. I mean, well, even you yourself were saying, and I do the same thing with wine. I mean, I, I, I you know, oh, do you smell the tannins? And I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> you know, it, but I like it; it's good. Right, right. As a newbie here to the Mitchell Gallery, um, and you said you you would fully admitted you didn't know a lot about St. John's College. What was the most surprising thing when you rolled in here in September? Probably the lack of parking, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> I think the students. The students were all out on the campus between classes reading, number one. Okay. <laughs> was not my, that's not what my college campus looked like. Um, and a lot of the graffiti around campus, I, I'm playing into a stero- terrible stereotype about St. John's students, um, which are wonderful. I, they're unlike any student I've ever met anywhere. They're, they're smart, they're inquisitive, they're fun. Um, it's just been a joy to get to know them but you know, the graffiti you know, about st john's students i think it's very similar to the naval academy too and i'll I, sorry to interrupt you but i think that the the students that are here on both of these campuses are here because they want to be right okay it's not like because well yeah i applied to five schools and this one was my top choice and i wanted to go but i'd be just as happy going here right type thing i mean this is a different school yes across the street that is a different school absolutely and they want to be here which is which is very unique for any college campus. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I was going to say that some of the graffiti, I, I think one of the things that surprised me was on the benches in the quad, there were, the graffiti on it was, you know, uh, people were working out like geomet- geometric <laughs> equations, you know, <laughs> mathematical equations, things like that. Right. It wasn't like, you know, the right, food right. here sucks. Or right, 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 right. For a good time called Mary. Right, right. You know, yeah. Maybe that's great. It wasn't that. That's great. Well, for folks that aren't familiar with the Mitchell Gallery and certainly with the new improved Mitchell Museum, but um, what do you think would surprise most people that stroll, will stroll in here after February 17th? I think people that know of the Mitchell Gallery but haven't been in in a while, they'll be surprised again at how beautiful the space is. It's a gorgeous space. So that's first and foremost. I think people that have never been here before are going to be surprised, hopefully, by how comfortable they feel in the space and how welcome they feel and how this is a place that 
they won't be afraid to come back to um, because they had a good experience. That's what I'm. That's what I see. Awesome. Well, you you talk about coming back and everything else. How do when when can we come and visit you? Obviously, we're not open until the seventeenth, but right. uh, we're well, not we're, we're not like twenty four seven like the McDonald's drive. Well, we're ready. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I want to tell you. That first weekend, Friday at uh, February seventeenth at four o'clock, I'm opening the doors and they're going to stay open for fifty hours straight. Oh wow! So. It will be 24-7 for two for, days. For a little bit. <laughs> for, for, for a and that's bit. really, you know, to underscore the idea that this is an open museum, that we're available, um, and uh, to get the ball rolling. And then after that, we'll be open. Regular, our regular hours will be Wednesday through Sunday, 1 to 6, with Fridays open till 8. Um, the, the lectures are usually on Friday evenings at 8 p.m. Right. So we'll stay open for that so people that come to the lecture can come in early, which we've done that before. Right. Admission? Uh, no, it's free. No admission. Um, of course, the museum, like like so many nonprofits, relies very heavily on uh, donor support. So, you know, you're, re- uh, you're reading my mind. So, how, right. you know, how, how do we support the Mitchell? I mean, obviously, we can come out here and participate. Uh, yeah, come up, you know, insomnia, three o'clock in the morning. Exactly. Roll, roll, roll on down here. Please do. <laughs> Draw on the wall. They'll probably be parking at three o'clock in the morning on campus, so you shouldn't have to worry about that. Um, yeah, I you know I I think the most important thing is I mean I of course I want to make a pitch for everybody to support the, the gallery however they can um, financially is great but however the most important thing is just to come back or or, or come for the first time I I want you to experience um, the museum uh, afresh and experience the campus again we've been a lot of people have been off the campus for quite a long time so just come back and you know introduce yourself to myself to my staff uh jenny kaywood is my colleague on the staff we've got a lot of student workers that are really fantastic just become just try it out and see become part of the community and and if you get really excited about what you see or what you hear we're going to be doing in the future then you can make a donation online or call me my cell phone's on the website um i'm very easily reachable Accessible. I'll take it one step further too. Bring a friend, Bert, uh, please. You know, and uh, you know, you start a conversation uh, after after you leave. Uh, experience. Stay here. Immerse yourself into the art, whether that be scribblings on the walls or whether it be you know something more professional hanging on the walls. Right. Sure. Um, immerse yourself into it and have a conversation. I know um, in the film festival, which is coming up fairly soon, right. same similar type of a thing. You don't see it in the movie theaters because it's such a mass market thing. You immerse yourself into a, the film at a film festival. And when you're done, you're, you're discussing it. And, and I think that's, you know, to experience any kind of art, Absolutely. whether it be a symphony, whether it be a ballet or an opera or visual art, yes. um, experience it with somebody else and discuss it. And to that point, um, you're often not encouraged to talk a lot in museums. It's changing, obviously. You can talk more in museums than you used to be able to talk in museums. But if you hang out in the open museum for a long period, you can talk. You can talk on your cell phone. You can play music. You can do whatever you want. So that conversation can happen on site. You don't have to be quiet, look at the work, leave, have your conversation over coffee. You can have it right in them. That is the open museum. That is the open museum. It's for everybody. And Um, we'll have paint. Uh, we'll have all the materials you need and smocks so you don't get paint on yourself. Okay. Um, keeping up to date on upcoming exhibitions and stuff like that, you've got a mailing list? We do have a mailing list. You can sign up on our website. The website is sjc.edu slash Mitchell, and that's M-I-T-C-H-E two L's. Yep, right. And we also have a, an active Instagram and Facebook account, so you can follow there for information. Um, and we will be putting events and activities on the St. John's College uh, events calendar as well. 
I just think it's kind of unusual that we've got a art gallery on Instagram. <laughs> it just seems, but you've got, but you've got to change with the. Well, that's where so much is happening right now in terms of the art world. I mean, it really is. So much buying and selling is happening on Instagram. So much research happens on Instagram now. I mean, it may seem odd to you, but uh, it's one of the primary vehicles that curators, other artists, collectors use to find out what's going on. All right. My mind is blown <laughs> on, that, on that. Absolutely. Well, I'm not going to take too much more of your time. I do encourage everybody to get down here for the 50 hours starting at 4 p.m. on February 17th. Uh, if not, get down here Wednesday through Sundays. See what the Mitchell Gallery has. We've got uh, the ability to draw on the walls, which you don't have too often. Won't have that for too long. Peter Nesbitt's taking the reins of the gallery, and I am really excited to see what comes down. You know, And it's so exciting to see it back from its hibernation, hiatus, <laughs> whatever it was. And it's coming at a time where they're getting ready to reopen the key auditorium. So right. it's all right in that little nook. Exactly. That'll happen in late March. So that's after this area there. So this is a, a real exciting time for St. John's College and uh, the Mitchell Museum, no longer the gallery. Right. Um, Peter, thank you so much for your time today. John, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this week's Local Business Spotlight. Please make sure to visit ionanapolis.net for all your local news, events, and opinion. And in case you haven't already, please subscribe to the Ion Annapolis Daily News Brief, where we bring you all the day's local news direct to your phone, tablet, or computer in about 10 minutes. It comes to you at 6 a.m. every Monday through Friday, and you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.